Well, hey friends, welcome to Real Talk with Rachel. I'm your host, Rachel Gilbert, and I am so glad that you're here today. This show is a safe space with real conversations to help you live free and pursue your God-given dreams. Now, I know I told you that we weren't releasing new guest interviews this summer, but I was invited to be part of a podcast panel with Jess Connolly, and I just could not pass up that opportunity because it's about my favorite topic, drum roll please, body image, which we've already been talking about this summer, so it kind of just fit perfectly. Let's go ahead and lean in to this topic that God's bringing up today on breaking free from body shame. Let me start though by introducing you to Jess in case you don't know her already. Jess Connolly is a best-selling author, sought-after speaker, and trusted Bible teacher who knows this inner conflict all too well. And this book that she's just recently written, Breaking Free from Body Shame, details her journey and yours as setting out to discover how to break free from the broken beliefs that we all hold about our bodies that hold us back from our fullest life. Now you're gonna notice that today's interview sounds a bit different than usual because we actually pulled together some of our favorite questions that Jess answered on this podcast panel. The content was so rich that I knew you would love it. So I wanted to go ahead and jump into that conversation that I had with Jess all about breaking free from body shame. Well, Jess, welcome to the show. I'm thrilled to be chatting with you about this topic of body image today. Can you start by sharing your heart behind this book and why you felt compelled to write it? So for me, I felt called to write this book, I would say for two reasons. There was a big picture reason and then there was a more timely thoughtful reason. The big picture reason is that I only ever write about my weaknesses. And I feel like I perceive that that is where I have the most authority. I am my life verse is 2 Corinthians 12, 9. His power is made perfect in our weaknesses. And so I've always been a girl who likes to use my words to compel people. I've always been a girl who has a lot of words and has a lot of thoughts. But my uh, my mode of operation as an author has been, I never want to get on a pedestal that I'm going to fall off of. I never want to try to be the expert about something. There's a really specific reason why I haven't written a parenting book. You know what I'm saying? Um, I want to really let my weaknesses, let my greatest pain points hit the light. Be honest about that. Let people see me repent. Let people see me experience God. Let me let people see me experience his grace and and just share from that, work from that testimony. And so I always knew that being said, the big picture reason why I wrote this book is I always knew I would write a book about body image because for me, it's been the greatest area of weakness in my whole life. My earliest memory in my body is feeling like it wasn't good. Um, my greatest moments of pain and defeat and shame and despair had to do with how I felt about my body. Um, and because of that, for me in this particular the past few years, the, this particular season of my life where I've experienced the most freedom and healing and hope has been in my body. So in the back of my head, we always knew the body book was going to happen. I was, um, I began writing more traditionally in a publishing sense um, around 2014, 2015. And one of the very first conversations I had with my editor who helped me um, edit Breaking Free from Body Shame, Stephanie, as I said, you know, eventually I, a body book. We're going to have to do a body book because that's where I'm, I'm experiencing a lot of freedom. And that was seven years ago. 
But specifically why now, why this book had to come out was because of the pandemic. I was not slated to write a book in 2020. I was taking the year off from book writing, um, taking the year to be with my family and just to kind of rest and hear from God about what was next. And Stephanie, my editor, called me about six weeks into the pandemic. Well, backing up first, I had a meeting with her on March 4th, 2020, right before the pandemic hit. And her and I went to lunch and we sat at a table at a restaurant and talked about the body book and what it would be like to write that book. And that night on the plane ride home without telling anybody, I just kind of pulled my laptop out and pounded out the first chapter of the book because I just I had some thoughts about it. But then put my laptop up, came home, the pandemic hit. Definitely didn't think about that again. And about six weeks later, she called me and she just asked one question. She said, how do you think women are feeling about their bodies right now? And I, I said, they're feeling pretty bad. And she said, how do you think they're going to be feeling a year from now? And I, I said, I think they're going to be feeling pretty bad. And so I had no idea the level of tension and distrust and animosity that we'd be experiencing and even expressing about our bodies and towards our bodies. I could not have even bargained for that and I wouldn't have wanted to. But I think the time was now because we're, we're, we're so confused about how we're supposed to feel about our bodies and what we're supposed to think about them. Earlier this year, I signed a contract to write a book on body image. When your book was released, I actually had multiple reach, people reach out and they asked me if I was sad. And I immediately told them no, because I got excited that the Holy Spirit is shifting something in the body of Christ. For those of us who feel called to speak to this topic of body image, how can we link arms and collaborate instead of compete? So good. I love this. And specifically, Rachel, I want to tell you, I cannot wait for your book. And if I can do any of the hard work of telling some of this ground for you in Jesus name, I hope I can, because um, there are so many people. I, I am obviously not the first person to write a book on body image. Um, I am the first person to write a book on body image from my perspective. And I hope and pray in Jesus name that a lot more people will write about body image from their perspective. It's why I had nine other women um, add words to my book because I was like, I can't, this cannot just be my word. This has to be more collective. And so we need more and more and more women talking about body image. We need more women talking about freedom and what that looks like for them. We need that because we need to normalize it. But also we need it because Revelation says that the enemy is defeated by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And so we just need more women stepping into some freedom and some healing and some wholeness here. So there's that. Um, number two, I think that... I think that one way we can serve all women who are being brave and, and talking about um, about what God's asked them to talk about, and one way we can link arms better is by not expecting anybody to be the expert. And truly, by giving people space to ask questions and, and ask even sometimes like potentially messy questions without all the answers. Um, and I think that that, again, that stands for all women. I think we need to give like in general all women this this freedom to not have everything completely figured out, to stop expecting women 
to be like the boss babe hero who ha- who knows it all and has it all under her belt. But instead, be like letting one another be worshipers and say like, that means as a worshiper, that means my mind's going to be changed sometimes. That means I'm going to say something wrong sometimes. And when I say it wrong and then I repent, God's going to use that. Um, I feel like that feels huge. And I think the other biggest thing that we can really do, all women, all women will serve all women, but especially those of us who really do want to see others break free and step into some wholeness and healing is that we can expect, not not even allow and not normalize, but we can expect and celebrate when freedom looks different for other people. We have got to stop regulating freedom. Regulated freedom is legalism. We don't want that. Like we want wild freedom for everybody. And so for some people, freedom is going to look one way. For some people, it's going to look another way. For some of my friends, walking in freedom is being a CrossFit girl. For some people that I know, I have a friend who loves God and loves her body and does not own tennis shoes. And I can't get over it. Every time I ask her, I'm like, really, you don't own a single pair? And she's like, no, I don't want to move like that. I don't I don't want my feet to even hit the ground that hard, which is like my favorite thing about her. She's so free and she's so healthy. Like that's what it looks like for her. Um, so I think we need to, again, not just expect, but celebrate freedom and its different expressions on different people. Now, Jess, I know you talk about this in the book, but I would love if you could share a bit of your body image journey with us and how you finally broke the cycle of body shame. Such a good question. And honestly, I love that these questions are combined. So yeah, I had this friend who did come to me and say, this was in a season actually where I was struggling with depression. And she said, you know, I used to feel like you, I think you could feel better. And, and at the time I was really fighting her on I was fighting her on like whether or not I was okay. I was like, I think I'm fine. I'm good. I'm good. Everything's fine. And she was like, but I I really, I used to feel like you and I think you could feel better. And so that kind of, that kind of offer, that kind of wild hope put on the table really shifted everything for me and changed everything for me because I thought maybe if I'm not feeling okay, I could actually feel better. But that was the most important part for me of breaking free for body shame, of saying, I don't feel okay. I don't feel okay right now. And I had to do that in the same way with this journey. I had to get to a place where I said, like, I don't feel free and I don't love my body. And it's been interesting in in publishing and in putting the book out that uh, one of the most interesting and, and for me, sad rebuttals I've heard to Breaking Free From Body Shame is the women who say, like, I don't think this is really that big of an issue. I don't think this is really that big. I think it's just you. I think people are just sensitive. Or like, I don't know, maybe we should just think about our bodies less. And and I don't know. I don't necessarily understand that perspective. Maybe those people don't talk to women a lot or maybe they don't watch TV. I'm not sure. Um, but I can't open my eyes without seeing a woman hate her body or talk about hating her body. Um, I can't go to church without hearing a woman talk about hating her body. Um, and I certainly, I certainly can't consume any media. But that being said... I really do believe in abundance. I believe that Jesus Christ came that we might have life abundant. And I think that while we're alive, we're going to live under the effects of the fallen world. We're going to have sickness. We're going to have pain. We're going to have all kinds of hurt. And yet spiritually, there is more for us on the table. There's freedom. There's healing. There's abundance. There's hope. All of that. And I just want it. I want all of what God has to offer. I don't want to, I don't want to leave anything behind. So that's a really long answer to say. 
I, I actually genuinely believe the most important part of breaking free from body shame is, is women being able to say, I don't feel free in my body. I don't actually love my body, but I, I want to believe that I could. I want to believe that God does and that that changes everything. There's a lot of steps after that, but honestly, it's like um, what I, I call it um, the gateway drug to self-care, you know? So I, I always say like taking care of my skin is like the gateway drug to self-care. When I wash my face, like then I want to drink water. When I wash my face, then I want to brush my hair. When I wash my face, then I really care about like how I'm taking care of the rest of my body. That's a, this is a really silly example, but that's the same way. Like deciding that you want to actually love your body and deciding that maybe even maybe letting this truth that you don't letting that hit the light will lead to so much freedom. How do we approach talking about having a healthy body image when the unhealthy body image may be linked to a deeper mental illness? Oh, wow. What a good question. Well, so this is a story that I hope I can I can make relate because it does in my brain. So I had a friend recently who told me that she went on a mission trip. This was in the last year. She went on a mission trip to India where she was serving in a leper colony. And I said, um, I'm sorry, you went to a leper colony? And she was like, yeah, we, we just served at this leper colony. We helped them. We did some medical care. And I couldn't get over the fact that there are modern day leper colonies. I, I was like, this is an actual thing. We still have leprosy. And I said, help me understand why. Like, what is leprosy? Don't we have the answer to it? Like, don't we have the anecdote to it? Why don't, why don't people in non-third world countries struggle with leprosy? And she said, well... She said the truth is like that the actual the anecdote, the the vaccine, if you will, to leprosy is widespread, it's available, it's it's easily accessed, it's curable. She said the problem is if people don't get it soon enough, then they still feel the effects of leprosy. Then they still have the dead end skin cells, they still um, have different injuries left over. So we can actually like stop the leprosy from spreading, but they still have all these leftover injuries. So that being said. The crossover between body shame, mental illness, um, and then even into like disordered eating and behavior, I think oftentimes for a lot of us, it's hard to find the root of like, what was the, what was the original, which one is the original problem? Which one caused the issue here? And how do we need to treat it? Because even like leprosy, like you can give someone the vaccine, you can give them the actual medicine that will stop leprosy, but then they still have all these side effects. And I, I never, never, never want to oversimplify people who struggle with body shame in a way that may have then begun to affect their mental health or that they may be dealing with issues where they need clinical or medical help. Um, I believe Jesus purchased freedom for us on the cross of Christ. I stand by that 110%. And yet, I think for a lot of us to experience healing or even to to be well, we need help. We need clinical help. We need we need more than a book, right? Um, we need other areas. And I think sometimes it's hard to tell which 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 is chicken or the egg. Did the mental health cause this or did um, the body shame maybe cause the mental health issues? That being said, um, I think we approach it really carefully and really cautiously. And more than anything, the, the root of shame still has to go. 
I think that we need to tell all people to say, we need to be able to say to all people, like whether it's your brain that is struggling or your soul or your body, you live under the effects of the fallen world, which means that you none of us can escape the pain of this world. And it, and it is not anyone's fault. No one started this fight. No one started this war. No one caused their body shame. Um, no one did something that that made this harder for them and easier for someone else. And so I think we just need wild compassion. Um, and I do think we need hopeful hearts for everybody, for mental health issues, for bodily health issues, for soul issues. I think we need compassion and I think we need hope um, and a lot of gentleness. But but yeah, my a lot of people ask me, like, for example, is this book, you know, is it safe for someone who struggles with an eating disorder? Is this book, um, will it make me feel worse about myself if I really struggle with mental health in this way? If I if I have like obsessive thoughts or um, even obsessive behavior. And so I'll tell you upfront that the book was written to be trigger free. We had multiple clinical therapists read it um, because I, as someone who struggled with disordered behavior and struggled with mental health issues, um, I knew that even certain stories or certain phrases would be potentially triggering or even inviting into unhealthy behavior. So we had a lot of people read it and say, like, is this a soft place to land? Um, we also give a lot of resources in the back of the book because, again, like a, a book is not the ticket. Um, a lot of people are going to need more help. They're going to need people in their community. They're going to be people in their home helping them walk free from this. Um, but I think we move forward with a lot of gentleness and curiosity and hope that none of us started this fight, but that Jesus can help us move towards freedom. What is a question that was healing for you to process as you started your journey of breaking free from body shame? A question that was really healing for me um, is what will freedom look like for you? I think that if we don't know where we want to go and if we don't have means to capture what healing and wholeness could look like for us, then then we won't really ever know when we get there. And the other reason why I think that question is really helpful is because I think a lot of us probably need to say out loud um, that freedom may not look like meeting and fitting cultural expectations. So one thing, if, if when that question was asked of me, like, hey, what will freedom look like? What would you free in your body look like? I think someone asked me that. What would you free in your body look like? And um, what my spirit said and what my... My, my mind said were two different things. Like what my mind wanted to say was a certain size. And what my mind wanted to say was like other people thinking I'm pretty. And what my mind wanted to say was like all these like really cultural, um, temporal expectations. And so once I had to really think on that question, I had to say like, okay, what I want is to be free. And so I'm going to have to move toward that. Um, and that might mean that I even potentially move away from these other things um, that I give up fighting for and moving toward and striving for those things. So I, that's a question I would ask a lot of women. What do you think freedom will look like for you? And what's cool is I perceive that a lot of people are going to be able to, to describe something. I hope and pray this. I hope and pray that a lot of people would describe something that they could actually just live out today. Even if they're scared, even if it doesn't real, feel right. For So as an example, a lot of women would say like, feeling free to me would be wearing the bathing suit to the pool. And so I would say like, cool news. You just can do that today. 
that's available. Knowing what you know now, when you look back, can you see the moment that you started setting standards for your body or maybe even started wanting something to be different? I don't I don't know if this is just me. Um, I don't remember a moment in my body where I didn't set standards for my body. I don't remember a moment in my body where I didn't want something different. That's my that's my honest story. Um, my earliest memory is feeling shame in my body as far back as I can go. And I'm one of those people with a very freakishly long, like childhood memory. It really bothers my parents because I remember way too much. Uh, but my earliest memory is not, is not liking my body. So I don't remember. And I, I, I have a lot of memories of young adulthood of childhood where people spoke negatively toward me about my body or spoke negatively about their body. But I don't actually have like a nuclear memory of someone telling me my body wasn't good and then me feeling it. I just, I instinctively felt it. Um, I just, that's what I remember first. So that's unfortunately my story. I think I feel like this is the question, um, I get from women a lot, like, or even the things I notice in stories, I think it can be a lot harder for women who had like a breaking day, either, you know, in their teens or in their twenties or in their thirties where they were like, I felt okay. And then all of a sudden I didn't, I think that can be really jarring. But my personal story is, yeah, I, I always felt that way. Well, we can't talk about this topic of body image without bringing up social media. So what role do you believe social media plays in the way we view our bodies? Well, I don't think it's super helpful. <laughs> I'll tell you that. <laughs> what role is social media playing in the way that we see our bodies? I don't think it's super helpful, but I'm going to tell you this. I don't think social media started this thing. Um, I don't think it's social media's fault. I don't hate the internet. But I do think it's interesting. Somebody was telling me the other day, you know, when we talk about body image, we often talk about our mothers, our grandmothers, our aunts. Um, you know, a lot of people have wounds from childhood or from their family of negative things that were spoken over them, bondage that they experienced. And this person I was talking to was telling me like, you know, it seemed like in the 70s and the 80s, like women were just in so much bondage about weight loss and um, and how their bodies looked. And you think back to the 60s and the performance-based mentality that was there. And I was like, yeah, but also now we're putting filters over our face. We are putting fake faces on. Like we are putting fake faces on. That's crazy pants. Like, can you imagine if we had told one of our grandmothers, like, you know, you really should talk about dieting less. One day we're just going to uh, fake it. We're just going to like completely touch our photos and zoop, zoop, zoop and make ourselves. I mean, like that is crazy and wild a bondage. So I don't think that but I don't think that social media is helping. Um, I don't think it's the problem. I don't think it's the enemy, but I certainly don't think it's helping. The big my biggest issue with social media is this. Everyone's lying. That's it. That's my problem. Everyone's lying. No one looks how they say they look. And that's making us all hate the way we actually look. And it's making, it's perpetuating a very false um, reality for a lot of people. I'm, I'm deeply concerned. I'm deeply concerned about our daughters and our granddaughters. And um, in general, I think that this generation coming behind us is eager for freedom in a way that I certainly wasn't when I was their age, and that makes me hopeful. But at the same time, they're born—they were born into and handed a false reality about beauty, 
And um, that makes me nervous for them. And and more than it makes me nervous, even from the perspective of them comparing themselves to other people in false pictures, I'm really interested in the, the effects of like filters and how they see themselves and how that's perpetuating body dysmorphia in just a really intense way. Um, so I don't think it's helping at all. I think that the cool thing is we can fight it by not lying about how we look when we go on the internet. All right. And then the final question that I've got for you today, what would you say to the woman who wants to break free from body shame, but has a husband or maybe other family members who are not encouraging in this area? Yeah, I think that's, that's a great question. What will we say to the woman who wants to break free from body shame, but whose husband or other family members are not supportive? Um, she's probably most of us, to be totally honest. So 97% of women say they struggle with body image issues. Surprisingly, shockingly, maybe not so for many of us, 95% of men say that they struggle with body image issues. That means that almost everyone around us has a pretty warped mentality of what a good body is. And so unfortunately, that means that most of us are surrounded by people who don't necessarily, they're not going to be like, yeah, body freedom. Like most people around us statistically are going to be like, I don't know, like, shouldn't you just... I mean, maybe it'll be better if, have you ever tried this diet? Have you ever tried this? I love this. We could do this together. So um, statistically, unfortunately, that's probably most of us. So here are the great things. Humans don't commission, start, finish, compel, sustain, or approve of our freedom in any way that is actually spiritually powerful. Jesus does all of those things. He started this thing. He invites us into it. He compels us on it. He sustains it. He commissioned us into freedom. He purchased it for us on the cross of Christ. The Holy Spirit does all of those things. Now, I say all that with this wild piece of compassion of it's very hard. It's very hard to break free from body shame when someone up close to you is speaking negatively about your body. It is very hard. But I just have to say it's not impossible. Um, because I believe God is a good communicator because I believe his word is good. And I do believe that the numbers of women who want to engage in this are rising and are changing. It's a huge part of why I wrote the book is to say like, look, you can give this to your friends. We can talk about this together. If you don't have a friend who wants to talk about breaking free from body shame, give her the book and then she will. She'll want to talk about it. She'll want to be on board with it. I hope, I pray. Um, but yeah, I would say number one, don't, we can't, we actually cannot wait on other people to commission us into this. We cannot wait on other people to approve of us experiencing freedom in our bodies. And loving someone and honoring someone and being in a relationship with someone does not mean that you have to agree with a false, a false ideal or a false perspective that they hold. In fact, I would say we actually like, do we even know what love is? until we disagree with someone. Like what a wild love to say, I love you. I value who you are as a human. I actually even choose to be in a relationship with you. And I think you're dead wrong. I just don't think you're right at all. I think actually what you're saying is like absolutely against God's word. I think it's a little demonic. I love you. I'm 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 not like prideful about it because I don't think you know any better. Um, and I'm going to be patient with you. 
Or in some cases, some of us might decide like, actually the the most loving thing I can do is remove myself from this relationship um, because I'm not loving you well by allowing you to sin all over me with the way you talk about my body or the way you hold me back. I think we have to figure out what that looks like. Um, But I think it's so loving to say to someone like, I choose you. I want to move toward you. I'm going to be patient with you, but you are not right about this. I would say I, I hear this a lot from women about their husbands who are just like, you know, I, I, I love him and I want to honor him and I want to respect him. And I'm like, how beautiful and respecting is it to point him to God's word? That's that's so good. And that's so beautiful. Um, and I know that it doesn't always look that tidy and look that easy. But I think we have to we have to decide, first of all, that that we want to be obedient to Jesus more than we want to be this like false version of loving that lets people go on in broken, stinky, heavy bondage thinking. So that being said, um, I think that having important and open conversations about this, um, while really difficult and while potentially really awkward, um, is the way that we really bravely experience change and life change in our culture. Um, and I think that there are absolutely outliers to this to this rule. There are absolutely um, extreme situations. But I have heard from so many women that have said, like, I was terrified of having these conversations. I was terrified of setting boundaries. I was terrified of telling people what I was learning. But for the most part, when I kind of humbly, gently went to people and said, like, the way that you talk about bodies is not good or the way that you talk about my body is not life-giving or, hey, I'm growing in this way and you are really holding me back. And it would really bless me if you could, like, if we could see this more from God's perspective together the majority of people are like, okay, I love you. I want to do better. I, di- I didn't know. I didn't know. People don't know. Again, we didn't start this thing. Like we, it was copy and pasted onto our brains essentially um, in culture. And so I think that conversation is such a big way to start and hope and healing. And um, I don't personally know anyone who grew up like free from body shame and just lived that way their whole lives. I know people who got free and that gives me hope because number one, people do change. We change and we grow. And also it gives me a lot of humility to know that like anything I know now or anything that I see now or any freedom that I feel now is because God gave it to me is because somebody else came for me and said like, we're not going to think like that anymore. Um, And the Holy Spirit was gentle with me. And so I want to be as gentle and hopeful with other people in that same way. Wasn't that Q&A with Jess so good? I love her heart and her grace-filled approach on this topic of breaking free from body shame. Now, your let's get real practical step for today is to go back and listen to our Body Image Talk Therapy series if you missed any of those. They released every Monday morning in the month of July. They were all anywhere between 10 to 15 minutes, and they were designed to help you in this area of body image. Now, remember, you can download the coloring book that goes with those episodes at rachelgilbert.com forward slash biblical body image. Well, that is all that we have for today. Hey, be sure to come back next Wednesday for another special guest interview here on Real Talk with Rachel.